0: Hello, welcome, you're listening to Feed Play Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt.
1: Down syndrome is a genetic condition that occurs around one in every 1,108 babies in Australia. That's according to data collected by Down Syndrome Australia. My name is Elise. I'm a producer for Feed Play Love. Those numbers really mean little when read aloud, but I have a personal attachment to them. One of those numbers is my cousin, Joe. Joe is the second-born child of my dad's sister, Marie. Last year, Joe finished high school. He turned 18, and recently he started doing jobs around his hometown of Dubbo in rural western New South Wales. I have a fierce love for my family, but Joe has always had an extra special place in my heart. But I recently realized I barely know that much about his story. So I spoke to my Aunt Marie to find out more about her story, the story of Joe, and what she would say to that woman she was 18 years ago, the mother of a brand new baby boy with Down syndrome.
0: Hi, Marie. Hi. That was a lovely introduction.
1: (laughs) You hold a special place in his heart too. (laughs) Stop it, I'm going to cry. We've only just started. (laughs) (laughs) When did you first find out that Joe had Down syndrome? In
0: the delivery room. So I had absolutely no idea that we were having a child with a disability and it came as a huge shock. So I had had very bad morning sickness, as I have had with all of my children, and so when I went for the um, checkup at the time that they would normally check for things like that, um, I hadn't been able to keep anything down for about three days and so I was sent straight up to the hospital and put on a drip and that kind of became the focus and we didn't get around to doing that testing. So I had no idea that um, that there was any issue at all until Joe was born and even then I had no idea. Um, and the midwife was just sort of having a look at him and said, do the people in your family have fat fingers or you know thick short stubby fingers or something like that and interestingly my husband who is tall and skinny actually does and I said yeah 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 no that's the kind of a thing from my my husband's family and then I could see her really having a good look and I said there's not something wrong with my baby is there he doesn't have down syndrome does he and the, I fully expected her to say, no, he's perfectly fine. And the only reason that I picked Down syndrome was that that was, that was a condition I was aware of. And her response to me was, I'll just have to go and get the doctor. And, um, all the, all the, um, colour drained out of my husband's face and I was equally shocked. And when we looked at Joe, we could see that he had some of the, um, characteristics of a person with Down syndrome. And, um, you know, really my life turned upside down at that point. So yes, it was a very, very big shock.
1: When you left the hospital, is there a is there a pamphlet they give you? Do they most people express when they first leave the hospital with a the baby? They're like, we can't believe we've been allowed to leave the hospital with this child. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> but as, as someone like Joe is an even extra special case, what what was the experience like leaving the hospital? Um,
0: look, we actually had, I think, reasonably good support at that point. So we live in Dubbo. We're in a regional um, centre. And I cannot praise the nurses highly enough. They were terrific. They moved us into a private room so that we could sort of process what was going on. And, uh, they, so we have a, a center near us in our town called the early intervention center, which provides support for people from zero to six. And they came and visited us. So the, the director of the center and, the occupational therapist who i got to know really well in the in the years after that came to visit us um the down syndrome association of new south wales is spectacular and they had a package of information and we could speak to people on the phone and we also had a lady come and visit us whose son was about 12 at the time i think and people i i have found because i've provided support to people who have had a diagnosis that they weren't expecting. They either fall into the category like me where they want loads of information. So for me, I needed as much information as I could get about what our life was going to be like, what his life was going to be like, how it would Im- impact on his older sister, who at that time was 22 months, or they are just, I can't deal with this right now. Um, you know, they're dealing with the emotions and they don't actually want the information. So for us, we had really good support, probably as good as I could have asked for, and we went to the early intervention centre when Joe was less than a week old and i was there for me more than him at that point it was and at that point you know i kind of was in a mindset of fix my baby (laughs) not realizing that um you know that wasn't what we were going to be doing at all and that he you know he's wonderful just as he is having said that there was a lot of we did a lot of work through the early intervention center and i'm a huge um fan of early intervention as a concept but yeah in terms of support pretty good really
1: what about, I know there was a period where Joe was nonverbal and the whole family was learning sign language to try yeah, and yeah, that's right. est- establish a way to communicate with him. When, how old was he when that was going on?
0: Uh, he was probably pretty much nonverbal. Uh, look, even going into school, he was not particularly verbal and so we had been told, look, it's really important that you learn how to do um, keyword signing. So it's not like signing for people who are deaf where every word is signed. You would just pick the most important signs. So for I want to drink, there would be one sign, which is as if you were holding a cup in your hand and you put it up to your mouth and sort of tilt it. Mm-hmm. We learned how to do loads of songs. We would sign Lots of the songs and the whole idea was that if he didn't have a way to communicate, he would become very frustrated and he would either stop communicating, just give up, it's too hard, or he would throw things around and, you know, use that sort of behavior as communication. So it was really important that he had a way to communicate the most important things in his life, which were eating, drinking, playing, uh, you know, finished, going to the toilet, that kind of stuff. And so, um, yes, we all learnt how to sign, you know, to varying degrees, obviously. Um, And then when Joe went to school, um, we explained to the school that he needed this form of communication. And he went to a fabulous school and they had a um, pupil-free day and every member of the teaching staff did a one-day session on keyword signing. And yeah, basically we used that keyword signing until his spoken language increased to the point that we didn't need it anymore. So, you know, we probably signed on and off, you know, till he was about eight, I
1: think. Talk to me about, joe going to school because as you said you are out in dubbo and uh, for those not in new south wales it's probably about five hours west of, of sydney what was it like when when joe started going to school what was the community like
0: so it's important to bear in mind that before joe started kindergarten he'd already done about five years of schooling if you like so he did the early intervention stuff he was also at a mainstream preschool and then in the year before he went into kindergarten. He went a couple of days a week to, if you like, a special needs preschool, and they were really working on those skills that he would need when he went into kindergarten, like being able to use the glue sticks and cutting and all of that kind of stuff. So he just needed some additional support to do that. So he went into um, kindergarten at the same school that his older sister had gone to. I can remember very early on, one of the teachers there saying, oh, when when will Joe be coming to us? And at that point in time, the Catholic schools weren't really well set up for children who weren't standard issue. And I said, oh, I don't know. I I don't know that you've quite got what we need. And and she said, we would love to have him here. You're a family of the school and we consider him to be part of our school community. We would love him to come here. And- just that one person saying that was so important to me because you want to feel that your child is welcome and that they're not going to be a burden. And so we made the decision, yep, we'll give it a go, um, and it was absolutely the best decision we ever made because I do think attitudes are more important than anything else, and, and this school and their principal and the teachers that we had just had such an inclusive attitude. So they spoke to me about, you know, what would we like to do? And we came up with the idea that on the kindergarten orientation night, I would like to stand up and introduce myself. The children weren't there, but just introduce myself and let them know that Joe would be joining them and what his condition is and, you know, how they could help us. And that was very well received. And I think that really kind of set the tone for The fact that, you know, he was going to be part of their school community and, you know, I had lots of people come up to me at the end of that and through his schooling career and say, we have just so enjoyed having Joe in our class. He's he's taught my child patience and empathy and caring in a way that couldn't possibly be taught out of a textbook.
1: You have been very proactive. You've said you're very much a person who wanted to go and find information and and the more you know the better and the more you can communicate to other parents about Joe in particular, the better. What has Joe's schooling and, and, and interaction with other kids and families sort of taught you if you could impart some of your very sage wisdom to maybe some parents who might have a child with a disability or Down syndrome in their child's class?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, what I would say is, number one, welcome that child and welcome the parent into your school community. I really appreciated those parents who came up and said, we're really delighted to have Joe in the class because I was worried that they would think, that he would be a distraction or that the teacher would, you know, not have the time for their children. I honestly was stealing myself for people saying, I'm not happy about having this child in my, our class. I don't know if anybody thought that. They certainly didn't ever say it. And the opposite was true in terms of people co- proactively coming up and saying that they were glad to have my son in their class. That meant a lot to me at a really vulnerable time. I would also say don't point out that the child is different you could in a very well-meaning way sit down your kindergarten child and say now sally's different and i want you to make sure that you're friends with sally please don't do that because kindergarten children particularly in the case with with down syndrome aren't going to pick up on it and it was always our plan that joe was just going to be part of the furniture. And that the kids would grow up and he would be part of their circle of friends, which is exactly what happened. So we noticed that other children didn't really pick up on on Joe being different in any way until they reached about seven. And by that time, they'd had a couple of years together. He was just their friend. He was just Joe. And they could see beyond the disability in a way that adults couldn't. So don't point it out. But be ready for that conversation when it does happen at around seven or, you know, possibly later and be able to say, you know, yes, he's a little bit different, but, you know, he's mostly the same as everybody else and he just needs a bit more attention and, and practice and he can do everything that you can do. That would be my second point. My third, and, and this is one that I would really encourage people right through school, please invite that child to the birthday party. So Joe was everybody's friend, but he wasn't really anybody's best friend. And particularly when the kids got a bit older and it wasn't, you know, a full whole class invitation to the birthday party, um, you know, when mum and dad said you can invite five people, Joe generally wasn't in the five. So as a parent please, if you can think about that child who doesn't get a huge amount of invitations, because your child probably won't be thinking about that, they'll be thinking about their birthday party and how wonderful it is and how exciting. But if you could include them even, you know, through into the high schools, that would have made a really big difference for us. Yeah, and and that's something that I'm sad for Joe, that he didn't get as many invitations to birthday parties as as might have been the case. And look, the last thing I would just say, and this is for anybody, is scrub the word retard out of your vocabulary. It's a really horrible word. And even if you've grown up using it as a joke or a self-deprecating comment, don't use that word yourself and teach your children that that word is just a horrible word to use.
1: I would add that I think once when maybe I was 11 or 12 and we were having a gathering at our house and you guys were there and I had, I used that word and I called my brother that word and you gave me the most steely expression. And I've never, ever gotten that look. And I've <laughs> never used that word since because I just didn't understand. And then I went, Oh no, never say that again. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it, it's for me, the R word is like the C word or the N word. They're just not to be used and you know some people don't realize um as you obviously didn't back back when you were 12 that that's a really nasty word and and I have a beautiful friend who used that word as a joke about herself on a Facebook post in a self-deprecating way you know it's sort of a humorous kind of a thing and I send her a little message and said you know um I'm sure you didn't mean this but um that that would is really quite a hurtful one and um yeah just letting you know that it's not a great one to use and you know she was absolutely mortified and immediately deleted it and um i mean nobody wants to cause pain to anybody else and she was completely unaware so i just think it's important to kind of point that out um that that, that is a word that's very hurtful and can cause pain
1: So you, Hmm. you founded the Orana people using NDIS, also known as Opun. I love a good pun. What, what is it (laughs) and and why is it needed? (laughs) Sure.
0: So, um, most people who have Down syndrome, I would think actually all of them would be eligible for an NDIS plan. So that's National Disability Insurance Scheme Plan. And, That's a completely different system to the one that we previously had. And I'm glad to say, in my opinion, it is a thousand times better. It isn't perfect and it hasn't been awesome for everybody, Um, but it's, I think, a huge improvement and has been a real game changer and very positive for us. But it is a massive mind shift very different to the old system where you had to go with your begging bowl and basically say my person's hopeless and please give me any kind of help that you can and you go on these great long waiting lists for whatever was available even if that didn't actually suit your person and i have to say i'm not an expert in the early intervention side of ndis so that the scheme for zero to seven works differently to the older um section which obviously is what we're in now but it is a very different system and um what I found is not that there wasn't enough information there actually is so much that you kind of feel a bit swamped um, and so we were all kind of learning as we went along and um I ran into a friend of mine and I'd been researching the school leaver scheme she'd been researching supported independent living and standing in the aisle at Woolworths um, you know, we were swapping these shreds of information. And I thought, oh, this is crazy. There has to be a smarter way to do this. And so the two of us decided that we would start up a, an NDIS user group. And that's what we've done. So every month we meet, um, and we're only up to about our fourth meeting. So we're only a very fledgling group. Um, and the idea is that we share information that we've um, found out ourselves. And we also get guest speakers to come in and talk to us so that we all become more fluent in the NDIS language um, and we're better able to navigate the system so that we get better outcomes for the people that we're looking after.
1: Marie, before I let you go, what would you say back to that woman back in the back in the hospital room those 18-some years ago, getting that news oh. for the first time? And
0: <laughs> I've thought about this a lot over the years. I would say to her, dry your tears. I cried and cried and cried. And I thought that my life was going to be over, that I would have to give up my work, that this would have a terrible impact on my daughter. You know, I really thought that my life was going down the the plug hole and I could see it circling the drain. And that's not the case at all. Joe has brought so much happiness to our life. He brings the colour into the rich tapestry that is our life. And we've, we've, connected with so many interesting, positive, good people. I've always thought that he brings out the best in people and it's the biggest, roughest, toughest, hairiest, most tattooed person who will show their soft spot and give him a ride on their Harley or, or whatever. So look, you know, it hasn't been easy. Um, I don't want to sugarcoat it. There are challenges, but hey, there's challenges for everybody in their life. And, you know, he's going really well. He had a great time going through school. He enjoyed his school so much. He often talks now about wanting to go back there. Um, He's at TAFE doing a hospitality course. He's got a number of shifts at cafes and restaurants around the place. He has a really active social life playing ping pong and indoor cricket. And, you know, he has a great life and we've had a great life with him too. So, you know, yeah, if I were to say anything to that lady uh, back there crying in the hospital room, it would be you don't need to be so upset. Life is taking you on a different path, but it's not a bad path. It's a, an interesting, colourful path that's full of good people and, and wonderful experiences with your child.
1: I think that's a beautiful spot to end it, Marie. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure, Elise. That was Marie Barnes mother of joe barnes my cousin if you'd like to find out more about the government organizations and support networks mentioned in this interview just head to our website that's babyology.com.au feedplaylove and search for down syndrome plus we'll also include links in the notes and description of this episode